Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Friday, January 12th slate of college basketball DFS. We've got a nice little five-game slate on DraftKings, and all things considered, this is a pretty solid Friday night slate. You know, we've got a few power conference teams in action out of the Big Ten, um, and then, you know, the mid-major teams that DraftKings chose to, to put on this Friday slate are good mid-majors. You know, we've got a battle in the A-10, we've got a battle in the Mountain West. These are teams that we have seen on DraftKings before and teams that we're going to see on DraftKings again. It's also going to be a slate that it is going to be very difficult to find value on. More on that later. Um, but we've got five games. We are going to break down all five of them and go over what games you need to be targeting, how you need to be targeting them, what players need to be in your lineups, and what players need to be out of your lineups on Friday night. So quick scheduling notes. So I did switch up how I was doing things with this Friday slate. Um, the plan was to do NFL tonight, but I didn't really feel like I had time to do adequate research for the NFL episode. Whereas when I opened up the DraftKings slate earlier tonight and I saw these five games and I saw these 10 teams, I'm like, oh, those are some teams I am familiar with. Those are some teams that I have good numbers on. And those are some teams that I can really quickly whip up some research and, and record a podcast for. So that is why we are doing the Friday episode tonight. The plan is for tomorrow to do a double episode um, where we do NFL for wildcard weekend, as well as college basketball for Saturday's slate, because we know by now that Saturday slates are going to be the big ones in college basketball. So um, hopefully, you will join us for both of those. So make sure you hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel as well as to the audio feed. That way you can get notified when new episodes drop and you can watch, listen, whatever you want to do. You can get those episodes whichever way you prefer. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into this slate with game number one. All right, so the first game of the night is tipping off at 6.30 Eastern time. It is going to be a battle in the Big Ten with Minnesota taking on Indiana. And this is actually not a bad game environment to target because both of these teams have really condensed the rotations recently in conference play. And I think it's very clear in this game who you're going to want to target. Now, Ken Palm has this game projected to finish in favor of Indiana 74-72, to which makes it the second highest total on the night. Um, and there's quite a lot of separation between um, the totals of the first game of the night, which we'll get to later, um, this game, and then the game right below it, which is um, Dayton taking on Duquesne. So, um, a lot of separation in the totals. This one's at 146, which is not a bad game to target by any stretch of the imagination. So um, let's go ahead and break down things on the side of the Golden Gophers. So Dawson Garcia is Minnesota's highest usage player. However, he is a center. He thrives primarily on the inside. And Indiana's front court has been a tough matchup all season long with Kellel Ware and Malik Renew down there playing defense. And so as much as I like Garcia, as much as I like the rates, as much as I like how much shots he's getting and how many minutes he's playing, just understand that it is a tough matchup going against that Indiana front court, and there's guys I would rather play at a comparable price tag, in my opinion. Now, Elijah Hawkins is a guy that if you are stacking this game up, which is the second highest total in the slate, so it's certainly a game stacking candidate, he's a guy that you're going to want to have in your game stack. And the reason why is because of his assist. He currently averages almost eight assists per game. He averages almost as many assists per game as points. Um, according to Ken Palm, he ranks sixth in the country in assist rate. So he's a guy that you can really double dip by stacking, where if you have Hawkins and you have another Minnesota player on your team, you're going to be getting points for Hawkins' assist as well as the other guy's scoring. And if the game shoots out, then you're going to get a lot of that. So um, I definitely think he is a candidate for a game stack, but I probably would not play him as a one-off play. 
Now, one thing that is interesting is Braden Carrington right now is one of my favorite value plays on the slate. Um, he's priced at only $4,000, and he was pretty good for Minnesota at the start of the season. You know, had five total games over 20 fantasy points, and he was priced up around like the mid-5,000s. And what ended up happening was um, he took a leave of absence from the team. Um, it was never really like stated directly why. I would assume it was some kind of mental health related or family related, um, but he's back now. And against Michigan, they kind of ramped him up a little bit. They said, quote unquote, he would be in the mix. And he was, he played nine minutes he, and he only had 4.5 fantasy points. But against Maryland, he appeared to be all the way back. He played 29 minutes, put up 21.75 fantasy points. And if he's going to play 29 minutes at only $4,000, sign me up. And um, there's not a whole lot of guys on this slate that are going to be um, for sure valuable value plays at the salary that he's at. So he's one of my favorite values on the slate. Now, one thing to keep in mind is those minutes came at the expense of Mike Mitchell Jr. as well as um, Chris Christie. No, not Chris Christie. That's the governor above somewhere. Cam Christie. So it came at the expense of Mike Mitchell and Cam Christie. Um, those were the two guys that had their minutes and usage reduced because of the additional minutes for Carrington. Um, so if I'm playing anybody from the Minnesota side, I think you can definitely stack Hawkins and Carrington or go Hawkins and Garcia. Now on the Indiana side, um, Indiana played pretty much six guys in their last game against Ruggers. And what's interesting enough is that all five starters for Indiana had a 20% usage rate or more. Now, I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, how in the world is that possible? Remember, there's possessions where, um, you know, all starting five are not on the floor together. Remember that, you know, you can get usage if you get the assist or, you know, you're set up for the assist as opposed to just the one um, scoring. So it is possible for five guys to combine for over 100% assist rate. And that is precisely what they did. Um, in that game against Rutgers, um, Kella Ware and Malik Renew were both pretty darn good. Kella Ware, 41 fantasy points. Malik Renew, 34 fantasy points, both filling up the stat sheet. Then you had um, Trey Galloway and Mackenzie Mbako, um, who both put up 25 fantasy points each. Um, and then, you know, you kind of had the guy bringing up the rear, Xavier Johnson. He was a chalky play against Rutgers, and he was a big-time disappointment, putting up only 9.75 fantasy points. However, like I said, the usage rate was there for everybody. So if the usage rate continues to be this balanced, you would think that the fantasy scoring would get a little more balanced as well. Now, another thing that I forgot to mention, in that Rutgers game, Indiana only scored 57 points. So in a game where they scored 57 points, you had two guys, um, Ware and Renew, combined for about 75 fantasy points between the two of them. You had two guys, Galloway and Mubako, combined for about 50 fantasy points between the two of them. So if Indiana were to score more points, which they are projected to in this game, they're projected to score 72, then you've got to feel like the production for all five of those starters for Indiana is going to increase. And I think if you're playing enough lineups, all five have to be in your player pool because if they're going to continue you playing as heavy minutes as they did and seeing as heavy usage as they did, then the fantasy points are going to follow, and I definitely want to make sure I get a piece of them. The next game of the night is going to be Dayton taking on Duquesne. Um, this one is projected to be 72 to 69 in favor of the Dayton Flyers, according to Ken Palm. Now, for Dayton, there is a potential injury to monitor, and it can open up some value on DraftKings. Kobe Elvis is their second highest usage player on the season. He is one of their best scoring guards, and he is questionable for this game. Um, he suffered um, some kind of leg or ankle injury um, in the first half of the game against UMass, and Dayton is notoriously pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? 
non-disclosal. Like, they don't really, like, disclose their injuries a whole lot. Um, and so I don't think we're going to get an update on Kobe Elvis until warm-ups for this game. But what it was interesting was with Elvis out, what you saw was a big-time minutes boost to Kobe Brea as well as Zimmy Wokeji. Um, and you saw a big-time usage boost for Enoch Cheeks. So let's break down all three of those guys. So Kobe Brea is Dayton's best shooter. Um, my dad is a University of Dayton alumnus, um, so I watch a lot of Dayton games. He watches a lot of Dayton games as well. Over the course of his career, Kobe Brea has hit a lot of big threes for these Dayton Flyers. Um, and he has had games this season where he's put up, you know, 24, 26 um, fantasy points, put up 37 against SMU and 30 against Youngtown State. State. So this guy has a legitimate ceiling, especially if he's going to be playing boosted minutes if Kobe Elvis is in fact out. Now, Zimmy Wokeji is a guy who started at Dayton like in the COVID year, not the year where the tournament got canceled the year after. Um, he started as a true freshman and never really kind of got any better, never really became a true rotation player after that season. Um, but he's kind of been pretty good when he's gotten minutes this year. And against UMass, they kind of ran out of bodies and threw him out there for 14 minutes and he put up 13 fantasy points. If Kobe Elvis is going to miss a full game, you got a guy here at $3,300 that if he plays 20 minutes, he might give you 15 fantasy points. I don't think that's a bad option, especially considering if um, Deron Holmes or Nate Santos were to get in foul trouble, you would probably see a lot more Zimmy Wilkage. Now, the guy that I do like the best out of the three, though, is Enoch Cheeks. So Enoch Cheeks is $5,400 on DraftKings. Um, he saw a big-time usage boost against um, UMass after um, Kobe Elvis's injury. Now, it only translated into 18.5 fancy points, but this is a guy who can rack up fancy points in bunches because he will get you assists rebounds and steals and he's actually used to being a more higher usage player last year robert morris his previous school he averaged 15 points four boards and four assists a game on 26 percent usage so he's used to being like a big time player that's a big part of his offense i think he has a very very high ceiling if we do get news that kobe ellis is in fact out of this game and i think he becomes one of the best value plays on the slate if kobe ellis is out of this game Nate Santos is a guy we talked a lot about at the start of the season. He's a transfer from Pitt. He was great in the Charleston tournament um, for Dayton. Um, one thing, though, is now I think he's a little overpriced on DraftKings. Like, he's $6,700, meaning he would have to give you about 27 fantasy points to hit value, and that's just not a number that he hits very often. You would be pretty reliant on him getting really hot from three or grabbing a lot of boards, and it, I don't know. I, I really do like Santos as a player. I like his game, but I don't like the price tag at $6,700. A guy that I'm going to be playing is Deron Holmes. Um, so every time he's on the slate, Deron Holmes comes in at very low ownership on DraftKings because people look at his price tag, which is $9,000. People look at his game log and see that there's some kind of ugly games in there, and they kind of just say, nah, I'm good. But what you have to remember about Deron Holmes is his usage is insane, um, and he has an incredibly high ceiling. He has two games this season of over 56 fantasy points. There's going to be games in the Atlantic 10 where Dayton's going to go up against a team that just doesn't have a matchup for him. Like Deron Holmes is a 6'10 athletic center who can handle the basketball, shoot threes, block a lot of shots. He's going to play in the NBA. And in the A10, there's just not a whole lot of guys that have a matchup for him. So if you're playing enough lineups, I think Holmes has to make your player pool just because of the incredible ceiling that he does have. And oh, by the way, I think there could be a good ceiling against Duquesne. They only have two guys on their roster above 6'7, above and they're both 6'9, and they're both not elite on the defensive end, in my personal opinion, from what I've seen of Duquesne. So I think the recipe is there, especially if Elvis is out, for there to be a big Deron Holmes night. Now, on the Duquesne side, 
you have got um, two guys who really dominate the usage for them. Um, Jimmy Clark the third has over a 30% usage rate on the season, which is quite substantial. However, he has not scored over 30 fantasy points in four straight games. In that span, you have seen more usage rate for the second in command, Day-Day Grant. Um, he had a game of 47 fantasy points against Santa Clara. He's taken at least 15 shots in four of his last five games. Um, Day-Day Grant would probably be um, a pretty big nominee, in my opinion, to do well. F for going up against Dayton, what we have seen beat Dayton so far this season is like guys who play like bigger guards, like Brooks Barnheiser against Northwestern really gave them issues, um, as well as kind of like power forwards and small forward types. Um, Trey Townsend at Oakland had a good game, but the guys who tend to have big games against Dayton are already high usage players on their team. You don't see a whole lot of random scrubs like go off against Dayton. You don't see a whole lot of value plays hit value against Dayton because they're a team that's going to slow the tempo down. They rank um, in the bottom 30 in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm, and they're pretty good defensively as well. So um, I would probably, if I were playing anybody on the Duquesne side, it would probably be Day-Day Grant um, just because of you know everything I just said about Dayton, how they tend to struggle with bigger guards um, and they tend to not let guys with low usage rates get there. Um, so he would be the guy I would play on that side, but I think you can bypass it altogether. Um, Dixon and Savrasov, are kind of interesting because both of them have shown a legitimate ceiling this season. You know, Dixon coming off of a 33 fantasy point game, um, and then Savrasov um, having multiple good games so far this season. Um, you know, the ceiling being 34 fantasy points, which he hit twice. But the problem is both of them are priced up for their ceiling. They're not priced up for what they've consistently done. Um, and so with, you know, these guys also likely being the two that are going to be guarding Deron Holmes and could potentially be in foul trouble, I think I'm good on those two guys. And there, there's nobody else on the team with a substantial enough usage rate that I'm considering on the side of Duquesne. Now, the third game of the night is going to be DePaul taking on Villanova. Um, this one, I would have been cool if DraftKings left it off the slate because DePaul is just not a team that you want to be playing. Um, this one is projected to be Villanova 78-58, to according to Ken Palm. This is the lowest game total on the slate. And in my opinion, DePaul, with them having a team total of only 58 points, you can just cross them off entirely. Like, I, I think you can, at the end of the day, I don't think it's very likely that the optimal lineup has a DePaul player in it, or, or certainly not likely that it has two default players in it but I do I will mention them just you know kind of because maybe they might be values I don't know they're, they're not gonna be highly owned that's the good news um so Deshaun Nelson is their center has the highest usage rate doesn't always play a ton of minutes if he ever does get over 25 minutes the ceiling is there for 35 fantasy points Chico Carter is their best overall player fills up the stat sheet in a variety of ways been kind of cold shooting lately the fantasy outputs lately have not been great either the guy I would probably consider playing the most is Mac ETN. Um, he's almost a seven-footer. I believe he checks in at 6'11". Um, they've kind of got him involved more recently with his minutes increasing from 13 to 15 to 17 in the last three games and 19 and 12 fantasy points in the last three games, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but he's only $3,700. He doesn't need to give you a whole lot. Um, also, Jaden Henley and um, Jaywin Terry are both playable, in my opinion. I never get them right. Like every time I try to be like, oh, look, DePaul's got a cheap guard who's playing well recently. I, I never get it right. Um, but those two have strung together some good games recently. The usage rates aren't bad. I, I think you can consider them as one-off plays, but certainly not stacking this DePaul team with them only being projected 58 points. Now on the Villanova side, everything revolves around Justin Moore's health. 
Um, you know, he's been out since the December 5th, and we don't really have an update. They, they kind of just make him questionable and, and call him day-to-day -day ahead of every game, and we never really get an update until the day of. Um, if he doesn't play, then expect things to kind of consider how they've been going. If he does play, it's going to mess everything up because all these guys are priced for their usage without Justin Moore in the lineup, and when he is in the lineup, he is their best player. He is their highest usage player, and it would make it a lot harder to roster everybody else. Now, one thing, one guy that I do like is Eric Dixon, look, DePaul misses a lot of shots. And you know what happens when teams miss shots? There's a lot of opportunities for rebounds. So Eric Dixon can very well have himself a double-double in this game. He's a very interesting player because he's like a 6-7-5 man that shoots corner threes. He's got a very interesting game. Um, but, you know, he does have the potential to get hot from deep. He does have the potential to get you a double-double. He does have legitimate upside. Um, you know, he had a 50 fantasy point game against North Carolina earlier this season. He's a guy that I think you can definitely consider from this Villanova side. And then TJ Bamba has kind of been the new engine. Um, it, at first, it was Hakeem Hart and it was Jordan Longino. Well, you know, with Justin Moore being injured, those two guys were kind of running the point and carrying the offense. It's kind of been Bamba recently. You know, he had 26.5 fancy points in their first game against DePaul, 43 fancy points um, against Seton Hall recently. Um, so he's the guy that I would definitely consider for this one. And another thing, with these two teams having played pretty recently, I do think you can look at the, the game log for that game. Keep in mind, it was a 40-point blowout in favor of Villanova, so you didn't see a whole lot of minutes from the starters in the second half. Um, the guy for Villanova who was the most effective was Hakeem Hart, played a lot of minutes in the second half and put up 32 fancy points. So if you think this one's going to be a blowout like that one was, you can certainly go look at that box score and look at the game log and, and just see who the best players in that game were and target them from there. All right, that does it for the first three games, so let's take ourselves a quick little breather and then let's talk about the last two. So before we break down these last two games, I do want to mention there are a few places where you can get more information from me. First off, you can follow me on Twitter, otherwise known as X at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I do try my best to tweet out the DFS rundown for every college basketball slate. Life gets kind of hectic for me in the afternoons and nights, though, with, with having a four-month-old daughter around. Um, so sometimes I don't always get that out, but I try, where I just kind of highlight some of my favorite categorical plays. I also do any updates for the show, um, you know, announcements, um, you know, new episodes, stuff like that. They're all available there on Twitter. Um, and then also, I'm more than happy to answer any lineup questions, any start sit questions if you got for me, if you reach out for me on Twitter. Um, also, I'm in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube as well as um, on the audio feed as well. And y'all, the Fantasy Corner Discord has been popping recently, especially in the College Basketball Channel. But College basketball is not the only sport that we talk. Um, you know, we've also got NBA, NFL, golf. Um, we've got it all covered, and there's a lot of smart people who are just in there all day, you know, talking strategy, bouncing ideas off each other, and, and it's a great community to be a part of, a lot of fun. And if you're looking for people to talk DFS with, I cannot recommend it enough. Go ahead and join it um, and get in on the conversation. Um, I also do write a full article for every college basketball slate to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Now, what you get with that is you get my full core plays as well as kind of my lineup strategy and attack strategy for the slate where basically I just kind of outline what my whole plan is for the slate. And um, there's not a whole lot of people writing things like this about college basketball. So I definitely think it can help you get a lot of information, get some building blocks to start off on as you start building your own process and building your own lineups. Lastly, if you're looking to try something new this season, maybe you want to try a new sports book. Maybe you want to try player props on underdog or prize picks, you know, whatever. Head to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Pick. What SignUpExpert does is they get you the best offers and promo codes available for any new user on any kind of DFS player proper sportsbook site. So if you're looking to try something new, get yourself that best offer and best promo code available. All right, now 
Let's go ahead and break down these last two games. So game number four on the night is Nebraska taking on Iowa, which is projected to be Iowa, 84 to 83. This is the highest game total of the night, completely the opposite of a Nebraska versus Iowa football game, which would be projected for like 27 points. Um, so with it being 84 to 83, I think there's pieces on both sides that you're going to want to get a part of. What's really interesting about this is that there's no piece in this game um, that comes in at over $7,600. So you can really stack this game up, especially if we get news on Kobe Elvis and you can play some of the Dayton value guys, especially if you are willing to go down and play the DePaul value guys or play a value guy on Villanova or, you know, play... I don't know. Maybe it's Braden Carrington on Minnesota. Like, there's guys that if you were just willing to play a few value plays, you can really get a lot of exposure to this game. And with it being the highest game total by about 20 points, you're definitely going to want to get some exposure to this Nebraska versus Iowa game. So let's go ahead and break it down. For Nebraska, they are super starting five heavy. Well, really, core four heavy. What they do is they play rink mast. Bryce Williams, Juwan Gary, and Keze Tomonaga each 30-plus minutes a game. And then C.J. Wilcher, Sam Hoiberg, and Jamarcus Lawrence, they kind of ride the hot hand, and all three of those guys have had good performances this season. All three of these guys have had bad performances this season. If you're going to play enough lineups, can you mix and match with those three? Yes. Can you also just avoid it because there's a lot of question marks? Also, yes. Josiah Alec is the backup big, so whenever Mast and Gary are out, Alec is in the game. If one of the two of them were to get in foul trouble, you would see boosted minutes for Josiah Alec. Now, let's go ahead and break down that core four, though. So, in my opinion, the guy with the highest upside out of this four is Bryce Williams. So, he is a former transfer from the Charlotte 49ers, which made me, as a Charlotte graduate, very sad because he is very good at basketball. He was our best player last year, and, and Charlotte actually had a pretty decent team last year, and we're looking decent this year. We beat Florida Atlantic. Um, we would have been better if Bryce Williams was still there um, because what Bryce Williams does is he fills up the stat sheet. Last game against Purdue, he had 9, 11, and 9, almost a triple-double, still good for 43.75 fantasy points, and because of how much he fills up the stat sheet in the rebounds and assists, he does not need a lot of shots to hit value, and in a game that's going to feature a lot of possessions and a lot of scoring, get the guy who's going to be getting rebounds and assists because more possessions means more rebounds and more assists to go around, and and he, to me, the pathway is just super wide for him to hit value because of how much he does fill it up. Now, Keisei Tomonaga is the second most interesting guy. The Japanese Curry, if you have never watched him, he is a sight to behold. Um, and if he gets hot, he gets hot and his teammates look to find him and look to get him coming off of screens and dribble handoffs. And it's really fun to watch when he gets going. Um, he does have a legitimate, legitimate ceiling. He hasn't had one like monster game this year, but last year he did have multiple 40 plus fantasy point games for Nebraska. And the only downside to him is that he is super shot dependent. He does not really do a whole lot else for you outside of score. However, in a game where Nebraska is projected to score 83 points, you got to figure Tomanonic is going to account for some of it. So to me, he does have have a lot of upside for that reason. Um, and, and just with his history of being a shooter, being somebody who can get hot, he does have a lot of upside. I wouldn't totally discount Mast or Gary, though. Um, you know, Mast is the starting center, so obviously he's going to have a pathway to getting there through boards. Um, and, you know, Gary kind of playing the four spot as well. There's certainly a pathway for him to get there. Gary hasn't been as great lately since Rank Mast came back. That would be my only caution on him. But one thing that's interesting, though, is when you look back at Iowa, you have seen guys at all positions 
have good days against Iowa. Like, you know, last Saturday it was Moat Mag of Rutgers that had the big day. You don't really ever know who's going to go off or like what specific position is going to go off, but there is the capability for any of these four guys to go off against Iowa. If I had to order it in light order of likelihood for me to play them, it would probably be Williams, Tomonaga, Mast, Gary, and then a big gap and then anybody else on Nebraska. Now on the Iowa side, what we'll need monitoring is the situation with Patrick McCaffrey. He is listed as questionable for this one, but he is expected to be back in the game. Um, one thing that is interesting with that is when he was out, they gave the start to Josh Dix. Um, you know, I know a few Iowa fans, and they were kind of expecting it to be um, DeZonte Bowen that got the start, but it was Josh Dix. He did put up 20 fantasy points in that start. If McCaffrey's out, I do think you got to go back to Dix. Um, now, also... One thing that is interesting, they also, like Nebraska, very much have a core four, where Sanford, Freeman, Perkins, and Cricky are all going to play a ton of minutes. What was really interesting was in the game against Rutgers that they just played, um, Iowa scored 87 points. And in that game, all four guys of this core four were able to score 29 or more fantasy points. That is incredibly impressive. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it by one. 25 or more fantasy points. Owen Freeman brought up the rear at 25. Um, so pretty much these guys can all hit value together. And, and I don't think that there's necessarily like, oh, you've got to just play one of them or you got to just play two of them. I think you can play two or maybe even three of these guys for Iowa if you had the salary to do so. If I had to write it in order of preference, it would actually start with Tony Perkins. Iowa has gone to this big lineup recently. And with that big lineup, Tony Perkins has had a lot of usage. He's gotten 13 shots in four straight games. He is giving you some rebounds and some assists. And, and he has shown a legitimate ceiling. You know, he had a 49 fantasy point game earlier this season. He's had some 50 fantasy point games last year, so there is legitimate upside with Perkins and a lot of usage there for him as well. The second on my list would probably be Ben Crickey because he was actually second on the team in usage against Ruggers. He got 15 shots in that game, put up a double-double, 38 fantasy points, and he's kind of had a lot of games like that where he's put up between like 35 and 40 fantasy points. The upside for that is there for Crickey. Sanford kind of got hot shooting against Rutgers. He was 8 for 12 from the field, put up 44 fantasy points, which is great, but you're kind of more shot reliant on Sanford than you would be for Perkins or Crickey, and so that is why he would come in at third. And Freeman, I just think that you know, with him and Cricky both being bigs, I think Cricky's a little better, which probably means that tomorrow night Freeman's going to go off for, you know, 75 fantasy points. But um, to me, Cricky would be the better option. And, and so that is kind of how I would handicap these Iowa guys. Like I said, you got to get a piece of this game. I, I can't envision a scenario where there's not one or two guys from this game in the optimal lineup at the end of the night. If you are using an optimizer, just go ahead and click in minimum from this game too and, and just let it roll from there. All right, now the last game of the night is Boise State taking on Nevada. This one is projected to be Nevada 73-68. to And these are two teams that we have seen a lot of on the DraftKings slate so far this season. So not a whole lot of really new names, which is good. Um, on the Boise State side, Omar Stanley has really came alive since conference play has started. Um, he's got back-to-back -back games of 41 or more fantasy points. He, he's attempted 30 total shots in those games. He has gotten 22 total rebounds in those two games. He has been great for them in conference play. And what I like is that he's kind of shown the ability to get there in game environments that weren't so great. You know, there were 123 points scored against Colorado State, and he still put up 41 fantasy points. If he's able to stay out of foul trouble, Omar Stanley is going to be an absolute smash play. 
Um, the next guy on Boise State that I would like is um, Chibuzo Agbo. Um, he's kind of been up and down in terms of production, but um, you know, he, I think he's got more upside than, than any of their other guards. Um, Max Rice has just been kind of okay. Um, hasn't really shown a huge ceiling. He's been kind of off shooting. Um, so if you do get a good shooting night from Max Rice, then that would be a recipe for him to have a good night in fantasy. But I think I would prefer Agbo a little bit just because Agbo has been looking better in the usage rates. And Really, after that, you know, Dagenhart's kind of being overshadowed by Omar Stanley. Um, and then the fifth starter that doesn't play a, a whole, you know, a lot of minutes is Roddy Anderson. He did play 34 minutes against Colorado State. It was his season high, and he did put up 21 fantasy points in that one, but just not a whole lot of usage to go around for him. Um, you'd be really counting on his assists because he doesn't do a whole lot of scoring. Now, on the Nevada side, there is pretty much one guy that I'm interested in for Nevada, and that is Keenan Blackshear. Um, he has a massive 30% usage rate. In his last two games, he's put up 34 and 42 fantasy points with another 45 fantasy point game against Georgia Tech. What I like about Blackshear is his ability to hit value in suboptimal game environments. You know, against Fresno State, 129 points scored, 42.75 fantasy points. Against Georgia Tech, 136 points scored, 45 fantasy points. You know, this one's only got 141 projected, so it's not going to be a super great game environment, but he's got the ability to get there even if the game environment is not great. Now, one thing that is interesting is Blackshear does average about five assists per game, so you can stack him up with one of his teammates. Um, Nick Davidson, I think, is a little bit overpriced at 7,100. He kind of falls into the Nate Santos category where I like his game. I like what he's got in his game log. I like what the rates tell me, but I think he's just a little too expensive for my taste. Jared Lucas is their second leading scorer and their second best player. Um, Actually, he might actually be more scoring than Keenan Blackshear. I, I might be wrong on that. Um, but he's their second best player. He's their second highest use rate. Yeah, Lucas does average slightly more fancy or slightly more real points than Blackshear does. Blackshear just has a lot more fancy points because Lucas doesn't give you a whole lot else outside of shooting. So that would be my only worry about Jared Lucas. And then Trey Coleman at only $5,700. Not a bad play. He plays a lot of minutes, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of ceiling in him. And so um, for that reason, I really do think the main Nevada guy that I'm going to be targeting is Keenan Blackshear. All right, that does it for the Friday slate. We got all five games broken down here for you. And like I said, this is a super interesting Friday slate because you've got a lot of these teams where they play six or seven guys. The usage is concentrated among three or four guys. And you're going to have to make decisions on which one do you want for your lineup? Which one are you going to be fading? How are you going to get enough value to get you know two or three of those guys into your lineup? I just think this is a super interesting strategic slate, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Now, another slate that I'm looking forward to is the Saturday slate. So while you are here, if you like what you're seeing on the video, first off, go ahead and like the like the video on YouTube. Rate and review the audio feed um, if you're listening to this in podcast form. It really helps me out a lot. It helps the videos get noticed. Helps the podcast get noticed, and I really do appreciate it from you guys but also i meant you know i kind of teased the saturday slate subscribe to the channel subscribe to the audio feed we're closing in on 400 subscribers and i want to get there that is an impressive milestone in my opinion because we just started doing youtube in june um and i, I really want to get that number and, and i know you guys can help me get to that number so even even if you're listening to this in audio go subscribe on youtube it's free doesn't cost you anything you'll be notified when new episodes drop and you can get these college basketball episodes straight you know right when they drop, you can be the first one to watch. So that pretty much does it for today's episode, y'all. So 
If you like what you heard, hopefully I'm able to help you um, or help give you um, a lot of information that's going to help you um, build some winning lineups for this Friday slate. Um, remember, if you want more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord and get the full articles on the Patreon. All right, so like I said, this this looks to be a fun slate, um, and I look to be back on here again tomorrow night for the Saturday slate. So um, hopefully I will see you guys then. If not, best of luck to you. Thank you guys for watching and listening to this point, and I will see you next time. Thank you.